My name is Eitan Chatayat and welcome to I'm That Podcast, where I get to talk to some pretty incredible people. Some are friends and colleagues, some are clients, and some are people I haven't even met yet. On I'm That, we'll hear from them about who they are, what they do and why, stuff they love or hate, mistakes they've made, victories they've had. They're all known for something, but by the time we're through, the hope is they'll have revealed some things we didn't know about them. Our talk may be deep, profound, funny, who knows really. One thing for sure, it'll be interesting and honest. So if you're up for that, thank you for joining me on I'm That, and here we go. Carl Loeb, I am so thrilled to have you on my show. It's a pleasure to be here. My God, we've known each other forever. Everyone who's listening, I'm going to introduce Carl. Um, he's a very dear friend and a creative extraordinaire. And I'm just like so thrilled that you're here today. So Carl has been creating memorable brand communications for over 30 years as a creative director, as a copywriter and a brand strategist. Uh, for the past seven years, he has worked for the internal creative team at Salesforce. He currently leads the Brand Creative Center for Excellence, overseeing global brand awareness campaigns and the development of global guidelines and standards. Um, before arriving at Salesforce, he created ad campaigns for Volkswagen, where we sat opposite each other for years at Microsoft, Converse, Men's Journal, Cantor Fitzgerald, and more. His work has won tons of awards in multiple years for loads of clients. Citations include the Cannes Lions, one Show, Communication, Arts, Art Directors Club, FE, MPA, Kelly Awards, Archive and Radio Mercury Awards, and just the list goes on. Carl, it's so good to see you, my friend. It is great to see you too, Aton. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, it's a well, beautiful day. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I know, I know where you are, but no one really knows where you are that's listening probably. So why didn't you tell us where you are? I am in Fairfax, California, which is right in the heart of Marin County, north of San Francisco. Cool. Well, that's beautiful. I'm going to open this up um, with just a question, which uh, I hope that you can complete. So I'm just going to dive in and ask if you can complete this sentence for me. I'm that. Mm. This is hard. I'm that question mark. Oh. Okay. Um, you got to tell me about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to describe myself by only one thing. Uh, you know, there are so many different things that go into it. I'm, I'm that Oregonian. I'm that copywriter. I'm that dad. I'm that husband. I'm that Jew. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's all wrapped up into, uh, into who I am. Identity is complicated. <laughs> It's complex. Yeah. We're all more than one thing, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the ideas of the question is also to get into that a little bit, all those amazingly um, different things about you and you specifically are, um, you know, I've known you for, I think, what, 20 years now. Um, so many things. I mean, I have lots of memories with you that I've that I've had since our Volkswagen days, but also since then. Um, maybe you could just Tell us, maybe start with the now. I mean, what do you do at Salesforce exactly? Maybe we'll just what start. What do there. I do at Salesforce? I lead a team of 25-odd awesome people uh, who, at least uh, in terms of what we were able to do creatively, um, an amazing brand awareness creative team that has been making the TV commercials and the brand level digital 
uh, for Salesforce uh, and an amazing team that does all of our engagements for Customer 360, which is our main uh, our, our main product offering. Um, the brand design team and uh, you know working with our global enablement, helping to define how the brand looks and feels and sounds and generally shows up in the world. Um, plus other teams uh, that work on our app exchange, our small business and uh, and our proofreaders who <laughs> stay close to me. They want to be near a writer. Well, um, you know, Salesforce is it's it's a household name at this stage in terms of a brand. What's it like? Like, what's it like working there? I mean, it's 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 amazing. Um, the you know, certainly in terms of of the work culture and the challenges, this was my first foray onto you know what we always said was the client side uh you know when i was in agencies and there was there's always this feeling that when you move into the client side you're selling out or you're over the hill uh and my my friend and boss scott larson you know thought of it as a an elephant graveyard um but the reality is i think working on the business side has i've probably grown more in the last seven years than i did at any job other than like my very first few copywriting jobs where i learned how to write and learned how to think like a copywriter here um you're you're not really you're not in the creative department you are part of a marketing team you're working directly with marketing partners and you have to expand your knowledge and understanding of so many different things you know it's like what your marketing partners need what your sales teams need um how how you have to be accountable for making sure that that you're reaching all of your targets and um, another kind of amazing thing was, uh, you know, I worked in advertising on the agency side for 25 plus years. Not one of those agencies ever taught me a thing about managing. Um, you know, I, I think that, that talent development on the agency side pretty much amounts to somebody walking into your office and telling you, you've been such a good creative, we're promoting you to a manager, good luck. <laughs> And then they walk out. Whereas, you know, on the corporate side, good companies take their talent development really seriously. And uh, I've benefited since I've been here of, of like actual training, people teaching me how to do the job that I'm uh, that I'm expected to do and holding me accountable for it. It's been great. So you, um, it, I mean, what's interesting about what you're saying is like how they allow you to grow um, and, and nurture you, which is which is pretty interesting. Is there anything specific though about Salesforce um, like what, what do you, beyond that, what do you like so much about the company? Because I know you've told me before that you really like it, you know, and, yeah, and you, love, you love this job. So what, what else is it about it that this place that's so special? Um, I mean, the, the, the growth is such a huge part. That's really, that's how I define success these days. Uh, you know, it's like back when I was, uh, you know, actively competing, every single brief was an opportunity to win an award. I measured success by how many statues I was picking up, you know, mm. or, 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 or how many mentions I got, which, uh, you know, helped drive me, but it, it's, it's extrinsic, you know, they, it's like, that is ultimately placing, um, your definition of success in somebody else's hands or, you know, that the hands of a bunch of judges, the hands of whoever's sitting in the focus group room. Um, I define my own success now just much more by, growth you know it's like am i better today than i was yesterday am i learning something today that i didn't know yesterday so being able to have the chance to move in and learn um you know 
learn as much as I have is a huge part of, of what I've loved at Salesforce. But beyond that, the company itself has got an amazing culture. I mean, we, we make an amazing, amazing products. Uh, you know, we're uh, the, the number one CRM worldwide. Um, it's crazy. You know, we've been, we've been voted, you know, number one in sales, service, marketing, commerce. Um, and, uh, you know, so we have great products to sell and the culture itself is amazing. This is a values driven company. Um, if you ever have to ask yourself what the right decision is, you'll never be wrong by checking back in Salesforce's core values first and, uh, and anchoring yourself in those. It's really a, a company that, that walks the walk when it comes to its ethics. Maybe go back, let's go back to yesterday for a minute, just so that beyond the bio, you tell us a little bit about maybe your educational background and, and, and how you got to where you are today with a, with a brief stop, a stop at, at Volkswagen. Cause just cause you know, that's where we met, but I, it was such a, and we've, again, we've spoken about it before because we know each other, but it was kind of like a little bit of a golden era for us. So maybe just take us a bit through your career highlights and also like, uh, Volkswagen. Where do you want to, where do you want to start? I don't know. Start from the beginning. Like, how did you get, how did you, how did you start? How did you get to where you are today? Like you're a copywriter. I mean, you write, yeah. that's how you start. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. So I went to um, a little liberal arts college in Minnesota called Carleton, and uh, I majored in English literature, and I, I wasn't certain of a lot, but I was certain of one thing, and that was that I was going to become a lawyer. Uh, and uh, so, you know, after college, I, I, I traveled around for a while, I spent some time in Israel. Um, uh, came back home, and uh, as soon as I crashed back in my parents' basement, I started studying for the LSAT. Um, that lasted about three weeks. Uh, I was taking all of the, the the practice tests and realizing that you have to have a logical brain to be a lawyer, and my brain's only half logical uh, mm -hmm. and half strategic. The other half was always looking for, um, you know, reading these these multiple choice questions where there's only one correct answer. I was doing the typical creative thing where it's like, well, I don't know, under the circumstances, A could be right or B could be right. Or, you know, if, if, if the person in, in the question was having a bad day, C could be right. And so I, I, I realized the law was not going to happen. So the backup had always been, well, it would be kind of fun to write the ads that I see on TV. So um, I had, uh, when I was in college, I had did spend a day shadowing a copywriter. That's something that uh, my college set up. So once I realized, okay, I want to get into this, um, I connected with him again. He was a, a smart, super creative writer for a local agency in Portland. Mm -hmm. And um, he really became my mentor. His name's Rob Rosenthal, um, amazing writer, mentor, uh, and CD. And so I went to work for is he a still, Is he still like at it? He's still, he's still at it. He's still sure. working. He's still in Portland, uh, still making amazing stuff. Nice. Um, and so, you know, I, I would, I'd bring him ads and we'd meet up for coffee and he'd flip through them going, you know, crap, 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 crap is, you know, one after another. Uh, but, you know, I'd ask him, okay, it's like, what, what could I do to make them not crap? And then I'd come back a couple months later, which really surprised him. Uh, he, you know, generally when he gives people the crap, crap, crap treatment, they don't come back. 
and I came back this time it was crap, 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 crap. Yeah, there might be something here. And uh, the next time I came back with, um, I've, I've been studying all the show books. I came back with some ads I'd written for a personal trainer. And he was <laughs> like, okay, these, these are good. These are really good headlines. And I was like, yeah, you know, dancing. It's, it's like, I got, I got a good out of him. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's kind of how it went. I kept on bringing him what I was working on, you know, for three or four years, uh, working in small agencies where I was doing brochures and direct marketing and things like that. Kept on bringing him the stuff that would make him say, all right, this is, this, this is a show worthy headline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he helped me put my portfolio together and then finally hired me. Um, and so I, nice. Yep. I took a, I worked with him for six years. And at that point, you know, as a small agency in Portland, we started winning awards and getting attention. And, uh, finally, um, headhunter called, uh, and, uh, with an offer to go back to, if I, if, if I wanted to uproot my family and uh, start working on national brands. She was offering me a chance to move to Boston, partner with Paul Renner, work for Pete Favat, and uh, work on Converse. Oh, wow. And, that was uh, Converse at the beginning. Okay. It was Converse at the beginning. Yeah, it was still Houston Hurstek Favat uh, at the time. Wow. But just when I got back there, Arnold bought Houston Hurstek Favat, and we eventually merged into Arnold. And... Um, uh, after a while, we, Paul and I got the attention of the uh, leaders of the Volkswagen team, and um, they asked if if we would be at all interested in working on Volkswagen. <laughs> you know, it's hard to keep a poker face when you get that request. You know, I was like, yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Turn the corner and dance down the hall. So that was you and Renner, actually. Yes. Beginning. Wow. Yeah, Paul Renner. Wow, Paul's amazing. So, what yeah. was your? So that was um, that must have been ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety. I came on board when I. No, you, you know, what, uh, it's the beginning of. I moved to Boston in January of ninety eight. Ninety eight. So it was when, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was spring of ninety eight. So I know what it was like working on Volkswagen, and I know you because we sat opposite each other, as I said, for years. Um, but what was it? What was it like? Um, I, it was it first, it, first off scary because you are surrounded by, you know, some of the most wildly, incredibly creative people. Um, you know, that that team was amazing. You were always feeling the pressure to, oh my God, um, yeah. you know, to to. Uh, you know, it's like Lance Jensen and Alan Paffenbach, you know, great creative directors, um, you know, you wanted to make them happy. And they had already seen all of the bad first ideas from other people. And they really, you know, they were like, I don't know, it's like, show me something I've never seen before. Um, and and they were holding you to it. There was no sneaking by that. So, you know, I, I would, I would, uh, I, I honestly tried to do great work just through brute force. You know, it was like I was going to sit down, lock, I would lock myself in my room and I would pound away at the keyboard for hours, just like pulling all the garbage out, do, working by sheer volume, and then hoping somewhere at the end of the day was a couple of, of neurons in my brain had fired together in a way that seemed surprising. <laughs> 
it was it was kind of yeah it was it was very intimidating it was very intimidating i mean you mentioned them but like shane hutton we yeah. see dana yeah. shadow white i mean some of yeah. these people all of them don shelford yeah uh you know it's it's a will your um it, it just a, a real powerhouse and then you know at the time we i, I as as we started doing the digital work and Tim Brunell and his team on digital, you know, it was, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's hard to paint for people what it was like in the early days of digital advertising. But, you know, at, at the time there were all of these, you know, it's like if a company knew how to animate a flaming logo, that company would be bought by a holding company. Well, you know, it was it was what was interesting. Also, I remember when I, you know, after four years, I, I was, uh, you know, on Volkswagen. When I left, and you know, we had we had the book. You know, you had the portfolio, and I created an integrated portfolio, and it was part direct, part print, part radio, part web. Part, people didn't know what that was. People yeah. they didn't know how to handle what they were just used. To, like, well, just there's TV and there's radio, and then there's kind of like there's print, and then there's, but the way that they managed the group was everyone, and this is what I remember, everyone was able to work on something. Yeah. Um, and that was their approach. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I, rem I remember the pressure, but I also remember you, you said, Pound, I remember you had, a, and I'm sure you still do, your taste in music is something that stays with me to this day. First of all, you would blast your music, you know, that. <laughs> and you, I learned so much, um, about music from you, because I had come from Israel, but you had this like this, you just had like this in, incredibly diverse musical taste. Are you still, are you able to listen nowadays like you, because, you know, not, not, not as much as I used to. And, and I'll tell you, that was another part. The music was another part of the pressure of being on Volkswagen. Sure. You know, before yeah. I got there, they had launched a Beatles campaign. Uh, I mean, even, even going back to you know, the very first Jetta ads, they were licensing indie music and they were uncovering um, artists that were nowhere near the mainstream and never really, you know, never dreamed that their work uh, was was going to be in commercials. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like and, and, you know, Lance listened to this stuff because he was curious. You know, Shane did. Will did. It's, it's like everybody. They, they were they were really into the music scene. I walked in there, um, you know, it's it's like with a head full of grunge and uh, hair metal and, you know, it's like, it's like and classic rock and uh, and some jazz and realizing it's like, you know, and, and, you know, early 90s alternative, but realizing that that the universe was so much bigger than that. And so I just, I started subscribing to all kinds of music magazines, you know, anybody that was handing out like a, a CD sampler of new music, something that was curated, I would be all over that, you know, go to Tower Records and grab their their quarterly sampler, subscribe to any magazine that included a sampler with it. Um, and uh, honestly, like like all those sources really helped to curate what was good and put new great stuff in front of me. Uh, and I think it's really hard now because, you know, it's like there's so much competition. There are so many streaming services. There are so many playlists. 
And it's really hard to find uh, curators that you can trust. Um, So yeah, it's like my my taste in music was really, that was another thing that was formed by the pressure. (laughs) You know, I thought, you know, all those years, it was just like you and your, you know, you bringing everything that you had to the table musically. Um, But yeah, look, I mean, I, I think that when you, when you think back to those days, um, it, the, the kind of like the, the diverse background of, of everyone, what everyone, what every individual brought to the table in that group really culminated in this incredible um, creative output. Um, do you have, a, I mean, I have, I'm familiar with, I think all of your campaigns from Volkswagen, obviously, but, and I have one or two favorites that you delivered, but what's your favorite campaign or spot or anything that you did for Volkswagen while you were there? Your favorite, your personal favorite that you did, though. Um, I think uh, honestly, my my favorites are the haiku print campaign With that Adele? that Adele Ellis and I yeah. did together for uh, Jetta and Golf and GTI. Um, that was also that was the first time I worked with uh, Smari Osmondson, the photographer. Sure. Amazing, um, amazing you know, and yeah. and we became friends through that. Uh, who, by the way, you worked with them, out here near, huh? Didn't you work with them afterwards? With, I did. I did. Smari now lives out here in uh, in Petaluma, uh, and um, he is now a food entrepreneur. And he launched an amazing uh, Icelandic yogurt. Um, yeah, you did the branding for that, probably right? ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And my partner Gerald Lewis and I did the branding for that. Um, I don't think it's around anymore. He was, Smari was a real purist with this yogurt. It was the highest quality organic Icelandic yogurt you could get. But because the quality was so high, it was hard to compete on price. You really had to have people who needed a premium product. And and uh, the uh, the yogurt business was more cutthroat than that. So, um Smari was um, amazing. I just want to make sure that anyone who wants to see Carl's work, you know, you can literally just Google Carl and um, and you can type in Volkswagen. You'll see all the awards that he's won. My favorite campaign that you did, uh, one of them anyway, was the, I think it was yours. It was the um, the standard features. Yes. Yeah. I love that, that, was campaign. The, that was the first big campaign that Paul and I did together uh, on Volkswagen. Just, it was just so smart and brilliant. And I remember like before I made it to the Volkswagen team, um, seeing that campaign and just, I'd never seen anything like that. That was so smart, but that's, but that's you. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because I want to get through a couple of questions. Yeah, and one absolutely. of them is, uh, I'm just going to hit you with it. What are you really good at? What are you really good at? That is a great question. Um, honestly, uh, writing. Um, you know, it's it's. It, I'm I'm kind of like Rain Man when it comes to grammar and spelling and arranging words until they they sound conversational, and that's kind of always been my go-to. Um, you know, it, it it came easy to me. Um, I'm good at at seeing the bigger branding picture. Um, you know, I, I I feel like I can I can step back and I can look at a branding ecosystem or how a brand is positioned, uh, you know, or where a brand needs to go, and the picture is fairly clear to me. I I have a much harder time 
working uh, at a more granular level. And Salesforce is very much about you know demand gen and connected journeys and things like that. That took me a while. And those things I need to map out so that I can see the whole thing. I'm not happy until I see the whole picture. So I can't ask, what are you good at without also asking, what are you not good at? Which you kind of answered, but like, is there something that you're really terrible at? Like, oh my God, get away from me. I don't want to, I'm just, I suck at that. I'm a terrible art director. <laughs> really? I'm a terrible art director and designer. It's like, if, if I have to pull together my own presentations or anything like that, they will be ugly. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, there are plenty of product marketers in my company who are better designers than I am. And their PowerPoint decks look a million times better than mine. Got it. It's like I am. I it's like I I am good at at hearing the voice that a typeface speaks in, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a connection to the words and understanding that that type is is how you express it. I do. I, I love typography, and I love the artistry that goes into giving a typeface a voice and a personality. So I do understand that but I could never design a typeface. <laughs> so now that um, we've gotten the, the good and the, and, and the bad out of the way, um, and this doesn't necessarily have to be related to, to the professional you know, side of you, but you know, as we get older and we gain experience, you know, we, we succeed and we fail. Um, what, what would you say is the biggest your, your, I don't want to say your biggest failure, but something that, that was your biggest challenge, um, the most difficult thing that you've ever had to go through, and, and, and what did you learn from it in the long run? Um, that is a, a great question. Um, and it, it's something that took me a number of years to recognize and, and a number of years to work through. But... Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, defining success um, by things like awards or titles or, um, uh, you know, recognition um, places the uh, places your happiness in the hands of forces you can't even influence. And, uh, you know, I. Uh, when I would hit rough patches, I think particularly in the work and like particularly when I left Boston and moved to New York, um, I had a, a number of jobs where, you know, the kind of writing that I do uh, and, and, you know, the way I express myself through the ideas either wasn't what my bosses were looking for or wasn't what my clients were looking for or, uh, you know, and I really started to doubt myself because you know, that that's one of the problems with this business. You know, you can be the same writer, you can be the same creative and you can be bringing the same solutions to work that your previous company had thought were, you know, brilliant. And, uh, you know, it, it's practically everything that I did for Volkswagen picked up one award or another. Um, and then I'd go to work for other places and, you know, bring that perspective and that personality and try and solve things that way. And, and you know, people that hired me uh, were not digging it. Um, and then even, even if you could make something, you're like, okay, am I going to be able to keep winning awards? The, um, 
you know, it's, it's all up to the show judges. And, uh, you know, I really had to work through, um, had to work through depression, serious depression, um, and realized that, um, the pursuit of ad fame had taken me far away from most of the things that had made me happy and, uh, and had placed me in, in situations where it was hard to succeed. So, um, you know, I, I think that was the, the real challenging thing, recognizing that, um, you know, that, that dream of, of succeeding at the highest levels in advertising, um, does not bring happiness. You know, if, if anything, it, it, it brought me just a ton of stress and misery. Um, and so, uh, you know, I remember, um, I was, I was, had to fly out to California from New York and, um, my father was very ill at the time and he had, uh, been put on a life flight from Portland down to Palo Alto, uh, for surgery. And I was out there for a week and, um, you know, my dad was, had had surgery and was in a coma, not well, you know, I was together with my mom. I was together with my family. I was back on the West coast. I was surrounded by nature. And I realized that even with my father in the hospital, I was happier than I had been in months. Um, just being with family and being, mm. being, uh, on the West coast and being able to look at, you know, San Francisco Bay or going to the Marin headlands. Um, so I came back kind of determined to start looking for work, uh, outside of New York and, um, either back in Boston or out on the West coast. And, um, you know, I, my employer at the time and I agreed to part ways and, uh, within, uh, a few months, um, uh, I got an offer to move out to California and work on Microsoft and I jumped at it. Um, you know, even, even then, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of ups and downs to that job. Um, I, I will tell everybody that, um, make sure as, as, as you nurture your career and you're thinking about your next moves, make sure you're going where you're wanted and, and be really, really, um, tuned in to the signals that you're getting from people and to the environment around you and, and ask a lot of hard questions to make sure that you're being set up for success and that, you know, whatever you move into, you're taking that job for all the right reasons, your happiness being first and foremost among them. That's great advice, Carl. That's great advice. And, and I, I, I empathize with you and I can relate. Absolutely. There's a lot of pressure, um, as you said, to succeed by someone else's standards. And, um, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of work to, I think, especially when you're coming out of, you know, one of the top accounts in the world with, with all eyes on you and there's an expectation and it's, it's practically impossible to, you know, to, to meet those expectations. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I completely feel you. Well, yeah. you're happier than, you know, I've ever seen you and you're doing amazing stuff. You really are. I, you know, thanks. You know, it's, it's the, I, I feel like working on the brand again, uh, at Salesforce, I'm kind of, I'm back in my comfy place. 
as I was mentioning earlier, it's like being able to think about brands at a high level and being able to hold them together. And um, and what a difference to be on the client side. I mean, you really, I yeah. mean, you talked about what it was before, but you are now, you're working with agencies. You're, you're in the driving seat with your team. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, I mean, it's funny, you know, in the, in, in the driver's seat. Yes. But we have, um, I'm very careful when I reach out to a new agency or we reach out to a new agency, particularly at the brand level, because I've sat where they're sitting and I've had some horrible clients and, um, you know, so I feel like my job is, is to not, the last thing in the world that I want to be is an agency's client. Um, I, 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 when we start working together, I sincerely tell them that, that I'm here to be their partner. I'm here to help them crack the code of Salesforce. It's like they can call me anytime, day or night to talk and I'll be there uh, because, you know, I want them to succeed. I will protect them from bad briefs. I will make sure that they've got enough time to get up to speed. It's like I, I want to be a partner that they want to keep on coming back to. And I know that that it's really up to me to set the agencies up for success. Um, if, if the agencies that I'm working with aren't succeeding, I really kind of feel like I shoulder a lot of that blame um, mm. because it's really like I missed, I've, I must have missed something uh, in helping set them up or, you know, I, I must have uh, ignored a signal or, or am not, um, am not getting them the right information, you know, I'm not being available enough to them, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's a privilege to be able to work with great agencies and it's a huge responsibility because, um, you know, I, I have so much empathy for them and, um, well, you've been there. You've been I've been there. there. You've been there. Boy, have you been there? Who are the, yeah. um, who are the, you know, if you could name a couple of role models, anyone, anyone famous, not famous, someone personal, like people who have helped you, helped you, who would they be? <laughs> Mm. Well, honestly, I, I first and foremost, when like who helped me, I have to go back and give Rob Rosenthal a huge shout out for teaching me how to uh, write copy that kicks ass. You know, it's like I didn't go to ad school and I was, um, you know, that's, that's something, by the way, I always liked it. I connected with you there because I didn't either. Yeah. And a lot of the kids came out of these ad schools, but sorry, keep going. So you didn't go to ad school, but he was your school. He was my school. You know, it's like he was my school and the jobs have been my school and the books have been my school and, and, you know, other great writers who've been, uh, or art directors who've been able to give me honest feedback, uh, have, have been my school. I, I owe a huge debt to Pete Favat. Um, you know, Pete, amazing creative director. And he took me out of Portland and back to Boston. And uh, I have always loved Pete's enthusiasm and creative vision. You know, when, when you showed Pete an idea that he liked, you practically had to peel him off the ceiling. He was so excited. He was you very, know, he's a very happy, positive guy. I mean, I'm still in touch with him. Um, he's a, he's a happy guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is he is good and 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 just continues to drive great creative work. Uh, you know, it's like in in into his gray-haired years, <laughs> which which we're all knocking on. But um, you know, his his ability to operate at that level, uh, you know, as a chief creative officer, executive creative director, uh, for as long as I've known him, um, you know, is uh how do you, how do you manage to do that job for that long without getting completely fried and jaded? Yeah, and jaded. exactly. Exactly. Like I don't sense any of that. I don't. I have to get him on this show. I don't sense yes, you about him. You know, it's just such a buoyant. He's buoyant. I mean, that's yeah. what, what he comes across as anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Robin, Pete, anyone else? Oh, I mean, you know, it's it's like there there are so many everybody that i worked with on volkswagen helped to push me forward um i gotta give a special shout out shout out to um my partner of many years gerald lewis who i first met at at bbh new york and and then uh uh we both moved out here to work together on Microsoft, and then we opened our uh, our agency Grand together and operated that for four years. And, and we worked together uh, there. That was, I mean, you guys were amazing. What an amazing team! Yeah, I mean, it was team. it was great. I mean, Gerald is still just just one of the absolute best art directors and designers in the business. One hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, you know, just truly phenomenal. And uh, you know, he just always um inspired me to to make things great i love it well listen i'm cognizant of time so i'm just going to just ask one final question which is um i know you're very you're very happy where you are you're, you're succeeding you're just going from strength to strength any what's coming up next for you even in, in terms of i know that you know you you're loving where you live as well what do you look forward to um at this stage when you're you know in in your life when you're uh Mm, you know, it's, I, my wife and I are empty nesters now. And, um, you know, we're, we get to spend time together doing the things that make us happy. Um, I, you know, I hope to keep, I can't, I can't see myself retiring. Um, you know, I can't see myself ever not working. Um, but uh, I, we have already taken the first step towards, you know, a, a next thing. Um, so I had always wanted to return to Oregon someday, and we bought a house uh, in uh, in Bend, Oregon. It's a it's a, a town in Central Oregon where uh, we had always gone on vacations when we were kids, and and then continued to vacation there. Um, Honestly, like we'd, we'd fly back there from the East Coast when we lived on the East Coast to go on vacations with our families. We would drive up there a couple of times a year from California to go on vacations. And uh, we bought a house where we, we bought a house in our happy place. And uh, we're spending a lot of time up there. And I'm also discovering um, just how much being outside in the wilderness was a part of what made me happy and made me who I am. And it's something that I really didn't do that much after I left Oregon to go to college. And, um, and I'm reconnecting with that part of me now. And, uh, 
I'm just going to have a garage full of gear <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and do every conceivable snow sport, trail sport, uh, bicycle sport, you know, it's like fishing, rafting, stand up, paddle boarding, you name it. <laughs> that sounds good to me. You're, you're amazing. You're wonderful. I'm, I'm so uh, happy that you, that you came on and you spoke to me and, and you're just like a great, a great human being, Carl. I mean that. Well, Aton, right back at you. I have admired the work that you've done with Naughty and and the incredible branding work that you've done. The oh, it's like the, the the I'm that Jew and she's that woman uh, work that you've done and that you and Dan are doing together. Uh, and um, and I think especially a lot of the work that you're doing to connect the creative community. Um, which is, uh, it's, it's just wonderful. Keep it up, my friend. Thank you. And you too. Bless, man. Bless. Thank you. Thank you.